Most of my time, I'm I'm in a cafe editing, working, planning ideas, and I'm probably honestly I'm working probably more than a uh, than a nine than a regular nine to five job. Welcome to Tech Talks, the podcast brought to you by Nash Squared and hosted by myself, David Savage, that's been bringing you the latest thinking from technology leaders for over eight years. Joining me today, Akish, how are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. Happy, uh, happy to be back. Self, uh, self-exiled out of the uh, pod for a few, few episodes, few weeks, did I? But um, yeah, back. Did Did you indulge in a few chocolate eggs over the weekend? Uh, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually had quite a funky one um, mm. from Hotel Chocolat, which was a a strawberry cheesecake flavored Easter egg. Ooh. Yeah, and it was like the walls of the egg were thick, mate. It was like a, yeah, it was lovely. Oh, delightful. Mm. There we go. Anyway, that's one side. Uh, Everyone needs to probably (laughs) go for a few walks or (laughs) get some fresh air. Um, Today's show, we are talking all about influencers. One thing that neither of us are ever going to be is an influencer when it comes to chocolate. Um, (laughs) But we're talking about influencers, we're talking about digital skills. We've got one returning guest, Holly Boothroyd, and then one new guest, Lawrence Benson. New to you as an audience, not new to us. Lawrence is someone who has helped us with employer branding videos in the past. He's come along and created videos on the back of some of our events. Um, That was two, three years ago. Now he's got several million followers. He's got about 54 million likes on TikTok and he's had people like Jason Derulo on his platform. So things have gone quite well for him since he uh, since he filmed you in our office, Akish. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say it's an upgrade for me and opening up a red envelope. Is it? Uh, well, I mean, Jason Derulo is probably easier on the lens than I am, to be honest. Uh, oh, you're doing yourself a disservice. No, I'm not. I'm uh, I'm being a, I'm being a realist. Uh, I don't, I've done a, I've done a video actually for our social feeds, yeah. um, which does feature you and Jason Derulo. Does it? Well, hopefully. Yeah. I, I've, oh, yeah. I mean, I don't quite look like him with my kit off, to be honest. So hopefully, I've got some clothes on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't have those kind of videos on my no, phone, Akish. No, no, and, and and I hope you will never will. Even I don't have those videos. Uh, but anyway, no. <laughs> we'll play the interview. We'll let you listen to how he's done that and why, and that's the interesting part. And then we'll come back and have a chat about skills. I was talking to Lawrence Benson. Lawrence, we first met um, six years ago, five, seven years ago, maybe? Probably about six years ago now, yeah. Yeah, six years ago, I'd say. A long time ago. A long time ago. And at the time, you'd just come back from some traveling. You were a video editor who'd done a lot of really cool stuff with kind of the likes of Chelsea, a friend of yours called George. Um, but you were looking for some work, effectively, and very kindly did some work uh, kind of videographing some of our events. Um, since then, and since the pandemic, things have gone pretty well. Do you want to, in your own words, just describe your journey between getting locked down overseas and where you are today? <laughs> I started my online creative journey about, yeah, just over two years ago now. I was in lockdown living in Indonesia. And, you know, I was... I just, I just loved making content and I decided one day to pick up a camera and actually film myself rather than film someone else. And I started speaking Indonesian, reviewing Indonesian food. And within two years, I managed to get 2.5 million followers on TikTok, 1 million on YouTube as of tomorrow, and about almost 400,000 on Instagram. Um, just, uh, 
eating and reviewing Indonesian cuisine. And you've had various celebrities on your channels yep. that you've then turned the camera on to kind of film them trying Indonesian food. Some of those videos, I mean, I've seen on TikTok kind of 30 plus million views, right? Or yeah. plays. I mean, yeah, for 30, 40 million plus views. But it's not just on TikTok, it's on Facebook as well, on YouTube, um, Instagram is doing pretty well. I've had people like Jason Derulo on, um, Martin Breathwaite, a um, couple of the biggest actors here in Indonesia. But I haven't had you, David. I haven't had David Savage yet. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think we could leave that to one side. I think you've gone past that. But uh, <laughs> look, just out of interest, how is turning the camera on yourself? Because I know that you are you are a consummate professional behind the lens. You're very good at directing people. But how did you find it sitting in, or standing in front of the camera rather? I tricked myself because I actually spoke Indonesian rather than English, so I, that, right. that I wouldn't be scared of my own voice. <laughs> So, <laughs> so I actually had an Indonesian teacher with me when I would shoot all my videos and I would review the food, speak in English, and then the, um, my teacher would actually tell, tell me how to say it in, in Indonesian. So I'd just repeat after her and then in the first six months, my channel completely blew up because I was the only white person in Indonesia, A, trying their food and making short form content for TikTok. And over time, I developed, you know, speaking skills and became a bit more confident. And now um, it's entirely in English. I've got my own show now on YouTube um, and just and just uh, post uh, short form clips on on my TikTok and Instagram to promote for the main show, which is on YouTube. How would you describe your profession? If someone asks you, what do you say you are? I was actually thinking about that literally yesterday when I was in, in, in Jakarta. I would say I'm a, a video producer. Um, mm -hmm. video creator and video producer are my main two because I've, I've, I do all the editing, I do the directing, I do the acting, I do the sound design, I do everything. And, you know, I, I just, I just I consider it producing a video. Because externally people would look at you and they would probably class you as an influencer. And I don't know whether that's a tag that you, you're kind of not, you know, is it, is it, Oh, fine. Call me what you will. Or influence. Let's be honest. Influencer to a degree, certainly in the UK, comes with. Uh, I, I almost feel like people speak down. Oh, just an influencer. Like it's quite dismissive. It's it can sometimes be quite um, quite negative, unfairly. But how would you feel if someone described you as an influencer? Because to me, I I don't attach any negative connotation to it at all. It's a it's a skill set. But it does downplay the fact that you've got some, some ridiculously good video skills. So when I think of the term influencer, I, my first thing which comes to my mind is someone on Instagram promoting a product. And I think right. so that, that's, that's in my mind. That, that's how I see the term influencer. Um, and I don't actually like those sort of influencers because a lot of the time they're selling out. They're, you know, it's just... Hey, look at me! Take a picture of him holding some a skincare product, and, and that's really it. It's quite shallow, in my opinion. Um, I consider myself a video producer or content creator because I'm producing content, um, and there's more substance to it. I mean, I can talk about stuff. I can, you know, I'm adding value to to people. Do you think there's there's a potential that someone might kind of look at social media as a whole and be fairly dismissive? because they don't look under the surface to some of the skills that are going on there in some of the accounts. 
I mean, I think there's a lot of skills involved in in being a content creator. I mean, you've got to, you're basically running your own business, which I think a lot of people look past. Um, yeah. For example, if, if I was working for a company in, in the UK, I'd be, you know, I'd be like a, a cameraman for a production company. And that's like one part of it. Well, so what I'm doing now, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, scripting my I've got to script the videos plan the videos edit it I've got to speak to my clients uh, and potential sponsors various brands I'm doing the whole the whole lot so it's almost like I'm a, I'm a business owner um, and that's a yeah. lot more than just take me taking a picture for Instagram and, and tagging a brand now look invariably when you're filming videos for someone like Jason Derulo as you mentioned you've probably got um kids all around the world watching that going, oh, I wish I could do that. Wish, you know, that looks like a cool job that Lawrence is up to. What would your advice be to them? It's, you know, it's, it's, I'm in a very privileged position to be where I am, but there's a lot more which goes behind, behind the scenes. And, you know, m most of my time I'm, I'm in a cafe editing, working, planning ideas. And I'm probably, honestly, I'm working probably more than, an, uh, than, a, 90, than a regular nine-to-five job. So if you, if you, you know, if you want to sacrifice friendships, I suppose family to an extent and, you know, years, potentially years of your life, then it's a, I suppose having Jason Derulo on, on your show is, is a reward for it. Um, but that's, that's the tip of the iceberg that they don't see everything else that yeah, goes underneath. Exactly. But along the journey, I've had to develop so many different skills. I mean, more skills than I've, you know, learnt in, in by far more, more than anything I've learnt in school or at university. It's like I've constantly, I'm facing problems almost every week with with videos I want to make. And then I've got to actually research research something and, you know, create a, a finished product. So there's a lot more which goes behind the scenes. There's a lot more which goes on behind the scenes. Look, I, I fully hear you when you talk about the fact that maybe at school you didn't learn the skills that, that help you now. Obviously, it's a challenge for education, but if you were talking to a 15, 16 year old version of yourself, or you'd say your brother a few years ago, what might it be that you'd say to them, hey, this is what you need to think about to be employable or to have opportunities in the next decade or so? Don't rely too much on others. Right. You know, you're, you're in control of your own destiny. Um, you, know, you know, David, I, I, I was making YouTube videos back in 2008. I, I don't know if I've ever told you, but I used to play a game called RuneScape and I would make YouTube videos when I was 15 about RuneScape. Right. And I would, I was, YouTube offered to pay me, but I was too young at the time to get the money. So I asked my dad, dad, could you put your credit card details on this website called YouTube? No. And he said, no, it's a scam. And then it's because of that. If I got paid, I would have pursued YouTube, but I, I, I gave up. If I was to tell a 15 year old, if I was to give him some advice, I would say, you know, if there's something you're truly passionate about, go go pursue it and just just mm -hmm. try, try 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 something new out. Just try it out. See, see see where it takes you. Is it fair to say that whilst your skill set is ideally suited to the economy we now find ourselves in, it's a little bit accidental because of the fact that you just did stuff you enjoyed? Yeah, exactly. I, I just it was it was something I was interested in, which is videography. I love making videos and you know, uh, being able to tell a story and and get other people to watch it. And for me to somewhat express myself, but I mean, with how like ticked, how fast technology is evolving, like TikTok and YouTube. If it wasn't because of short form content, I wouldn't be where where I am today. No way.
Yeah. Um, because, you know, it's just opened up new avenues, which I didn't even know were possible several, even two years ago. I didn't know YouTube would start focusing on YouTube shorts. I wouldn't, I didn't know Instagram would be focusing on Instagram reels. Um, and it's just like any advice I'd give is just make a start, just share your message, just get video, get this content out there. So that's the, thing, that's the most important thing, just letting people know your ideas. Anyone listening will get your passion and look, the success is over the last two years in particular is difficult to, to argue with. Congratulations. It's amazing to see kind of the growth of that platform over, over time from afar and, and I kind of wish you continued success. Thank you very much. And um, yeah, I, I appreciate all, the, all your words. Right, I, want, I wanted to put this together, right, this week because I was at an event, a dinner a few weeks ago where... Uh, the conversation around the table was quite dismissive of influencers. Mm. And it was in a conversation where we were talking about the skills gap and how we were trying to attract more people into technology. And to me, there was this moment of, hang on a minute, we're being quite dismissive and we're saying that we're not reaching the next generation of workers, yet yet we're not understanding that they are looking at people like Lawrence and Holly, whose interview we're about to play, who has 80,000 followers on, on Instagram, um, as being these people who do understand and do get it. And there's this initial kind of, oh, it's influencing, it's, 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 it's pointless, it doesn't add anything. Actually, when you talk to both Lawrence and Holly, the type of content they're putting together is adding value. And there's that clear rejection from Lawrence in this interview of something that's shallow. He wants something that's got substance of it. Yeah, and, and, and I think... Um... Didn't, didn't he mention when you know when he thinks about the term influencer, he thinks about someone on Instagram, blue tick, you know, millions and millions of following. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, like if if I was to say influencer, I'd, I think someone like I don't know, like a Kim Kardashian or something, right? Like here's my new makeup line or my new this and whatever. But I think there's so many things. I would say raising awareness or maybe you know having. Um, a flag that you're waving and, and, you know, kind of um, just showing people, right? Like the, the, the content. I mean, I was going through his content earlier on, actually, before we hit record it, I found myself about six, seven videos deep, just watching people try different kinds of Indonesian food and then Westerners try it and then their reactions. And I mean, Lawrence, you could thank me for those views, by the way, it's probably added to your uh, YouTube fund, which, uh, your your old man didn't back when you were young, uh, when you were doing the RuneScape videos, but but um, but no, it was just like, I was like I didn't realise that I'd be watching this. I was literally about seven videos down, and I was just like, this is good. It's yeah, engaging. yeah, that's what I mean, right? And it's well put together. It's well thought through. He talks about the fact that it's like basically running his own business, and you can tell that there is that care and attention. It is, yeah. And funny enough, I actually saw a. Um, I'm not on TikTok, you see, Dave. I, I watch Instagram Reels. Um, so, <laughs> so I saw a reel, and it was a it was an influencer, and she said, "Look, my business is like running a startup." And I think you alluded to it. And he said, "You know, I'm the marketing manager. I'm HR manager. I'm procurement when I need to work with suppliers. I'm, um, you know, my own sort of photographer. I'm my own walking billboard. I, I do everything for myself. I'm my finance person. And there's so many things that he probably had to then learn and upskill himself on. I mean, he's good with the camera in hand, right? So he he would have the base fundamentals of knowing, look, this is what a good, I don't know, apex ratio, whatever you call it, or whatever looks like. But then things like, you know, actually uploading onto YouTube and then how to monetize that, working with sponsors, you know. Um, 
it's a full-on job. And I mean, I work with someone in our business who has a side hustle and he has his own sort of fashion blog and stuff. And some, some of the things that he tells me, you know, that he has to do out of hours and late at night and before work and things like that. And, you know, at lunchtime, he took a trip into the West End just to take a few photos of, you know, a, 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 a shop that he, he, they were kind of collaborating with. And that's, you know, trying to do a day job and that. And, yeah. I think for some reason, because it's, in, because it's social media, people have become quite dismissive. But if you strip it back, it's entrepreneurial skills. And it's the kind of stuff that people are really excited to get into their business. The kind of people who are, you know, looking for opportunities, spying opportunities, showing initiative, showing drive, ambition. Oh. And yet we're talking about, well, how do, we, how do we kind of attract the next generation into technology, into industry? Here are people who are displaying all sorts of digital skills who can reach that audience, who have millions of followers. Mm. And we just kind of go, oh, you know, influencers, they've got no aspiration. Mm. Of course they have. And that's quite clear to see from these interviews. Yeah, and I think, look, at the end of the day, the platform that they operate in, right, is it gets a bad rep. And there's things like the Fire Festival and, you know, documentaries like that, which show what influences you know, are trying to become, not all of them, not, you know, I don't want to have a massive um, outbreak. But isn't that the same in industry? Like there are people out there who create, who create sham fraud rip-off businesses. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's true. That's true. But they don't get the light shine on them, do they really? Because they get taken to the courts of, you know, whatever business and, and, and these sorts of things and arbitrations and all hearings and that sort of stuff. Whereas I think if someone was to do something, fraudulent or scammy on social media it starts trending with a hashtag and then people start reading and then more and more eyes and it suddenly goes viral and then the minute you go viral good or bad that's when you're out into the masses right and and i think whereas sometimes in business you can almost hide behind you know the doors and 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 the bricks and mortar of offices one thread, thread that runs through both of these interviews, both with Lawrence and Holly, who we'll play in a moment, is the fact that it's about, actually now it's about thinking about um, education, about inspiration, about showing people inspiration that's achievable. Holly talks about the fact that that promise of, of the employee relationship has been broken and people are looking for something a little bit different mm. and that's reflected in in how they can utilise these platforms for their own good. She references someone... Um, who has got millions and millions of followers and all she does is show tips on Excel because people want to learn. People want to understand how they can, you know, fit, mm. into, fit into the working world and, and take control. And we, we espouse self-learning. We espouse the opportunity to, um, to upskill mm. continuously through your career. Here are people helping people do that. And it's just on a platform that we don't necessarily understand. And I think a lot of enterprise organizations need to rethink because this is your bridge to that that generation of emerging 100%. talent. 100%. And, and I think with things like Excel, right, sometimes, I mean, I, I would class myself as, a, like, if I use that example, I'm a very, very, very basic user of Excel, right? And sometimes I don't know how to do certain things, but I know it can do it. So I YouTube them, right? I go on YouTube and go, how do I auto sum this? Or how do I, I don't know, get this? you know, block to sort of match that, whatever. And if I'm doing that on YouTube, I'm adding to someone else's, you know, sort of watches or likes or whatever. 
But then if that's available to me very quickly, I go, oh, actually, yeah, there is a person on Instagram. Quickly go over to their page, have a little scroll, boom, done. And then that's how I do it, right? And a case in point was the other day, um, I bought a new laptop and the webcam thing wasn't enabled. It was a Mac MacBook and I tried to go on Zoom with it and um, I couldn't share my screen and my sort of webcam thing and I didn't have a clue how to do it. So what did I do? From my phone, I literally went on Instagram and I said, oh, you know, Mac share screen on Zoom or something. Came up with a tutorial video by someone and within five, six seconds, I was up and running. So it does work, you know. Um, you just got to know that it's there, I think. It's, it, and that's, I think, it, the, the issue. Um, Instagram, all these things aren't just pretty little thing, you know, sort of advertising boards. There's a lot more on it, right? Yeah. Look, I've trailed this second interview with Holly uh, throughout this course of the show. We'll play it now. Akish, thanks for your help today. And uh, if you want to... Uh, Get on a par with Jason Derulo, then um Lawrence, hook hook me up, mate. Hit me up. Hit me up. I'll uh <laughs> I, yeah, there's one thing I do love, which is food, I'll try anything. So, you know, hook me up with some Indonesian food and uh Get him on the channel, <laughs> Lawrence. Get him on the channel. <laughs> Joined by one of our returning guests. I, I Holly, we've probably had you on the show three or four times now. So thank you for uh for taking a little bit of time to chat to me again. Yeah, thank you so much for having me again. It's great to be back. Just very quickly, for anyone who hasn't listened to any of the previous episodes and are wondering, Holly who, who are you? Yeah, so I'm Holly. I am a software engineer for Microsoft based out of London, but I'm also the creator and founder of Her Hello World, a platform in which I help people get into tech careers and basically be successful once they get there. And when you say platform, what are we talking about here? You know, what channels? How does it work? Yeah, so originally I started on Instagram. Uh, I started in 2018, so this was before the days of TikTok. <laughs> so um, started with Instagram, expanded to my own website, TikTok, um, and also just, you know, in person as well, you know, doing different speaking events or doing different mentoring circles, all sorts of things. So I just generally call it a platform now. <laughs> and in terms of kind of followers, what's what's your most active and engaged channel? Yeah, so my biggest is still Instagram. I think I'm at 70-something, 80-something. It keeps going up, which is a good sign. Uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, no, there we go. Nearly 86,000. Um, 86,000 followers. Yeah, 86,000 followers, so that's good. And then over on TikTok, I'm at 29, so almost to 30,000, which is exciting. I hope growing that platform a little bit more. How long did it take you to work out what you needed to do to cut through, given the sheer number of people who are out there on these platforms creating? Yeah, it's an interesting one because I think the answer is continuously changing. You know, so when I first got on Instagram, it was merely a single photo caption platform. And mm. what you had to do there was kind of pretty different from what you have to do now even on Instagram because now on Instagram you have reels, you have stories, you have all of these different methods to engage with people. Uh, same for TikTok, you know, they have, you know, it is quick consumable content that has to, again, yeah, cut through lots and lots of other people who are vying for people's attention. Mm -hmm. um, 
and I think what I've found most useful is, again, it's quick content. Unfortunately, people's attention spans are pretty low these days, but you have to catch, yep. like, catch them quickly, um, but also providing value. You know, I think a lot of people are on, on these social media platforms these days um, to learn, to be honest. And there's stats that back that up. But I think educational content and achievable inspirational content, I think that's different from aspirational and unachievable content. Um, but being able to see people's kind of journeys of how they've worked through the challenges to actually get to where they are today, I think is really um, inspiring for people and shows people it's that kind of goes back to that point of you know role models you know people think that they can do things when they see that other people like them have done that and social media is just another way that we can you know spread these genuine down-to-earth you know role models to people experiences mm -hmm. and, yeah and look you, you you are offering value because you are talking people through your career what steps you took what steps they might think about taking when the next generation of professionals who very quickly, the demographic of your of your followers, roughly, if we had to try, and I know it, it might be quite difficult to do that, but if we had to try and kind of lump them in together, what, what are we talking about here? Yeah, I would say probably the main group of my content or the main group of my audience is focused around, let's say, 16 to maybe 35. So people who are starting to take more genuine steps in their, you know, high school careers or sixth forms, going into college, going through college, university, internships, first careers. And even now, as I'm getting older myself and going through my own career, I'm able oh, to provide it. more value <laughs> into <laughs> I've recently turned 27. It's very exciting. Oh, sure. Uh, just just stop, <laughs> stop now. But look, that, yeah. that lower end, yeah. that lower end. Okay. What do that next generation of professionals ask you about the skills that they need? Yeah. So this is an interesting one. Honestly, at some levels, it's where to start, you know, there's so much content out there that you could learn. So it's like, what languages are best? Where, where should they go first? With the tech industry, there's so much you could learn. And because it's always changing and people have a hard time knowing really where their time is best spent. And so I help you know guide them through the thinking process of understanding what part of the industry they want to be in, teaching them about the t different tech stacks that line up to their interests, and then kind of providing them resources and frameworks to follow up with further research later. But beyond that, they're also quite keen to grow their professional skills or otherwise, you know, known as like soft skills and learn how they can be in control of their careers. I think this is something that we're really starting to see, especially in the tech industry, is it's not just so much of a focus on these technical skills. It's how can I be a strong professional that's going to differentiate me as I get in these higher levels, you know, and demonstrate skills like how I can work with others, the ability to influence and negotiate, leadership skills, public speaking skills, things like that. Um, and so it's topics about, you know, navigating situations with managers and peers, you know, seeking out opportunities to further, further develop their skills and kind of how to plan their careers and how to go for promotions. So, so they're talking about those soft skills. Mm -hmm. They want to be in control of their careers. Mm -hmm. What do you think they aspire to in their careers? Because it's one of those really random things like you, you can only be what you can see. Mm -hmm. You're talking about kind of role models earlier on in this, in this conversation. I remember my first day at work, my boss pulled me up and he said, he said, dress to the position you aspire to, because I was taking a tie off. Like, it sounds so arcane. <laughs> but like, genuinely, what, what are they aspiring to? Yeah, it's an interesting question, because I obviously can't speak for everybody, but I think there's obviously trends out there and studied trends to back these things up. And these are things that, 
you know, I resonate with when I read these studies. So you'll find that I, you know, millennials, Gen Zers tend to prioritize careers that align with their values and offer a sense of purpose, you know, as well as these job security, growth opportunities and work-life balance. Um, of course, we find that people value a lot of diversity and inclusion in the workplace and are finding, looking for employment opportunities with companies that have this strong sense of social purpose. I think that's, you know, and people are willing to, I wish they didn't have to, but willing to make maybe sacrifices on a compensation level to be able to work for something that, you know, actually agrees with their moral standpoints and their views on the world. Um, I think this is in part due to the fact of, you know, becoming a little bit disillusioned with the traditional paths to success as these kind of quote unquote promises that we've been told growing up of like financial security, if you follow this particular path, haven't really come to fruition because of things like, you know, unsustainable increases to student loans and housing prices and cost of living and, you know, things like more recently, the mass layoffs basically just show, you know, this kind of loyalty is only one-sided. Um, yeah. And so I think with these challenges and the state of the world a little bit and really the, you know, even some of the kind of like social changes that we have been able to, uh, you know, be a part of, take advantage of means that people are just turning a bit more inward to see where they can find this joy and success um, outside of that traditional path and find more meaningful yeah. lives. And look, the last question I wanted to ask you, obviously, they are engaging with you, mm -hmm. your, your follower counts a testament to that. But lots of organisations and, and lots of people are asking the question right now, how do we how do we get through to these people? How do we how do we bolster the pipeline of, 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 of young people, you know, men and women, but particularly women into technology? Who do you think they're engaging with when you're talking to them? Aside from you, who else are they looking to going? These are the accounts that we want to follow. These are the people we need to listen to. This is what's going to help us. Yeah, so like I kind of mentioned, there is just this big shift happening of what people want to see on social media. So there's been like reports by Hootsuite in 2021 that basically show that I think it's like 64% of users want to see these inspiring educational content on their social media feeds. And that's exactly what I've seen in my own experience online as well. There are accounts that have you know, millions and millions of followers who are just teaching practical professional skills and technical skills and have been able to turn it into their full-time job. And I think that just speaks to the level of demand and shift that people are seeking out. Like there's one girl online, I can't quite remember her handle, but she just teaches Excel tips. She has millions of followers and it just goes to show that people are going to these platforms to learn. And even learning things like Excel, like you might think it's really dry, but we're being, they're able to share this content in a way that is consumable, engaging, interesting, accessible. Um, and so that's kind of the thing I've found is if you're able to add value to people's lives, if you're able to be genuine, so there's a big point about um this word's kind of overused now, but like authenticity, being able to show these kind of the challenges that you've worked through and what you've been able to achieve, I think it's important to talk about the challenges as well. And this is where you get away from that yeah. purely unachievable aspirational content. You start talking about real inspiration is being genuinely <laughs> about what you've actually gone through and how you worked through that. Um, and so in terms of engagement, again, I would look for how can you add value to their lives? How can you... Um, seek to improve their lives based on what these wider trends that we were just talking about of like where is it that they are aspiring to um, the aspirational 
inspirational influencer. <laughs> yes, there we go. It's a it's a great way to teach. I mean, this is why I went on to Instagram in the first place is because it was where my audience already was. I didn't want to have to build new habits. I didn't want to have to try to convince them to come somewhere else. I wanted to be where they already were and make it accessible as just part of their natural daily lives as it, as they stood. Well, I hope it continues to go from strength strength to strength. I have no doubt it will because I think when we first interviewed you, I think you're on about 29 or, yep. or 30,000 followers. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all evidence suggests yes, it will. Yes, it's uh, quite a bit. <laughs> but thanks for spending some time and enjoy the rest of your day. Yes, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Oh.